Welcome to the Engaging Culture Podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley, Bridgeway's Director of Connections and Communications. On this episode, my co-host, Bridgeway Senior Pastor Lance Hahn, and I are joined by our worship pastor, Jake Owen. What up? We will be talking about how movies, music, and television have influenced us. Oftentimes, these art forms are simply entertainment. However, they can also have a major impact on how we see the world, how we understand God, and how we live. We'll talk about how our faith can affect the way we engage with arts and entertainment, and how the arts can affect the way we think about God. We'll also share some of our favorite movies, musicians, and television shows, and how they've made a difference in our lives. All of that and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. All right. Well, welcome uh, to Engaging Culture. All three of us have lost our minds. <laughs> Was I not supposed Less to than 30 seconds <laughs> into the episode. I am not supposed to say anything. I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Has what? never been on a, a podcast. A podcast I've never been anything. in front of a microphone ever. I don't yeah, know the right. proper etiquette so, at all. So Jake was unaware that he's not supposed to interrupt the guy doing the, the intro, intro. But that's right. all right. Hey, uh, well, I am joined by Lance on Lance. How's yes, it going? Uh, it's going wonderful. I, I'm in a very good mood now. That uh, was hilarious. That, that actually was hilarious. hilarious. I can feel tears on my cheeks. I'm laughing <laughs> oh my very gosh. hard. Good stuff. Uh, Jake, uh, yeah. we are joined by you as well. You made a little uh, introduction of yourself earlier. Well, but, uh, I, you know, I like to enter a room properly. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> when I hear You've never my, done one, but... When I hear hard. my name, I always respond with a, what up? What yeah. up? Yeah, yeah. Very any professional. Of you, any of you that go to Bridgeway do that in the middle of church. It really throws things <laughs> yeah. off. Yes. So, anyway, but uh, Jake, glad that you are with us. Looking hey. forward to our conversation today. Um, so for those of you listening, we've had two pretty heavy episodes back to back. We had Kurt Lewis on talking about the refugee situation in the world. We had Alex Weiss on to talk about immigration and kind of what life is like for undocumented immigrants. There's a lot going on in the world this week that could make for another very heavy episode. Obviously, we just finished with one hurricane. There's another one threatening. There was an announcement this morning about DACA. There was, and this is even, okay, I read an article this morning of Vladimir Putin kind of telling everybody to calm down about North Korea stuff. Yes. When Vladimir Putin is telling people to calm down, you know that Things are bad. Th- things are not going great. So, no. so there's all that. So we could obviously talk about all that. We are going to have a little bit of a lighter episode today, only because even in the midst of all the crazy stuff going on in the world, we know that it's helpful to to take a step back and and uh, sometimes it can be helpful to focus on other things for a little bit. But just because this isn't about a pressing current event doesn't mean this isn't an important conversation. We're going to talk about movies, music, television. These are major cultural influences, nearly everyone engages with these forms of entertainment in some way. There's virtually nobody in Western culture who would say, I never watch movies, never listen to music, and don't own a television. You don't don't see that very often. And, And yet, the way we engage varies widely from person to person. The shows we watch, the movies we watch, how much, how little, all of that. There is a huge amount of diversity from person to person. And for the purposes of our show today, as Christ followers, I think it's worth asking the question, how does our faith influence in a wide range of ways the way that we engage with these forms of media? 
And then also, how have these forms of media just influenced our lives and influenced the way that, that we think about God? So first question that we'll go to, go to you, Lance, and then, then Jake, is just talk about the role that these different forms of media play in your day-to-day life. Movies, music, TV, uh, stuff like that. Talk a little bit about the role that they play. Yeah, I, I, I guess I would, I, I'm a huge believer in the power of media. Um, and I, I'm For talking sure. about the arts, I'm talking about creativity, I'm talking about all that stuff. Um, and I'm going to say this phrase uh, hopefully multiple times during the podcast because there is one thing that I would love to impart out to people and have them think like me in this regard. Whether it's right or wrong, I don't really care. I just want everyone to think like me <laughs> in this regard. And so this is the deal. Whoever runs Hollywood runs the world. Whoever runs Hollywood runs the world. Now, here's why I am, am talking about that. It, it is such a massive influence. A uh, couple weird stories. I believe that um, even as uh, back in the day when Barack Obama was going to uh, become president of the United States, the first time he went huge was a backup by Oprah Winfrey. The minute Oprah backed him, his name went everywhere. Like in a moment, it took somebody... And uh, who very well could have been absolutely 100% qualified and done right. all these other things on their own. It just changed the game. Yeah. Yep. The other thing is that we all know about this whole thing about oh, fake media and everybody yelling about that and all these different things. It's changing the world. So here's the other funny thing. I was just in Uganda, right? And I talked with uh, one of the pastors over there and he's scared to come to America. And I said, why? He said, I don't want to get shot. And I said, well, why would you get shot? He said, because that's what's in every communication that comes from America. So all the movies and everything, it literally influences the East. It influences everything in the world, um, whether it's from fashion or it's from every. So I believe that not only I always joke that I was raised by Hollywood. I was raised by Hollywood and a single mom. Uh, which couldn't be more opposite, <laughs> just to tell you. My mom hated movies. She hated all that stuff. That was not her thing. My dad, fully in. It was our way to bond, everything like that. So to me, create, creative arts, media, movies, music was everything to me and still continues to influence me very strongly. Oh, yeah. Very cool. That's, yeah, that's actually really interesting. Um, I guess the, what struck a chord with what you just said was that um, that's something that I've always known but never really thought about until you just said it because you think about how like Hollywood it in in a lot of ways uh, and we're not just talking about movies or whatever I mean there's a lot of different forms of of media but like what we say what we dress what's appropriate yes what we engage with what is acceptable either on a small scale or like a large scale most of that conversation worldwide comes out of uh, comes out of what is happening in in terms of art or what the movement at that moment. So that's I there's a lot of power in that and I don't really know how to deal with that entirely but that's pretty well, interesting. And and, and I want to hear from you about how it influences your life personally but even just something to add in it tells us who the enemies are. Right. So for example, I grew up in an era where our enemy was Russia and all the movies the bad guys were Russia. So you can right. always know an era by just watch the movies and it will tell you who it is. And all of a sudden it changes over and then it's this person. Then it changes over and it's terrorism and it changes over. Really, media will tell you. Now, you have all the enemies existing. It highlights which one we're right. now going to focus on. Right. And it can bend the entire world situation because we're all the ones voting for the most powerful 
nation right. in the world and you, were influenced by movies. And you're even seeing things like, um, and I know that we weren't going to go deep and we don't necessarily have to, but even like political movements and stuff are all sort of moving and flowing around Huge. what is the conversation, which starts in that place. So, yeah. interesting. What about for you personally? Uh, f so my, my uh, role and my job is to... And primarily engage people through music. So I'm just going to talk about that piece real quick. But because my job is to engage people through music, I am constantly having to uh, sort of walk the line of like, what are people engaging with? And it's a really interesting thing because we're talking about, uh, for, for my role as a worship leader, we're talking about the heart of God, but the vehicle is the art piece. So it's like, I have to be aware of what the art piece is to communicate the the heart you know so it's interesting i'm constantly like what are people doing what are they listening to why is this even wh why is this important right now why is this not important right now what happened to that what is where is this going i know that's kind of vague but like i'm always sort of listening and wrestling with what's the most appropriate way to push people forward because in a lot of ways uh art can push and shift people more and influence people more than most things. And so if that's part of my role is to use an art piece, I'm always like, well, how, how, how do we use that in a way that's honoring, but also that's grabbing people's attention? It's very strange. It's a very strange job. It is strange. And if, if you're not paying attention to the art, if you're not paying attention to that element of culture, then really you're not paying attention to the culture. And right. ministry is going to be very difficult. Relating to people is going to be very difficult. Yeah, you're right. And it's always shifting. It is always changing. And Lance, I'm sure even for you, like in terms of uh, like content or things that you say or things that we're passionate about or things that we're like, we're going to go after this. Like, I, I don't know how much that influences you, but as the shepherd, there's got to be some amount of like being aware of all of that stuff and taking some of that into consideration. I, I or, think the word that, yeah, I think the word that you use conversation is huge because whatever the conversation is in society that you end up usually addressing and the media is both a reflection of culture and a driver of culture. Wow. And and so in in some ways if you want to know a culture look at their arts. They'll it'll tell you something and it'll reflect what's yeah. really going on. While at the same time influencers utilizing it actually drive it into new places. Yeah. So sometimes it's a reflection, sometimes it's a driver. Yeah. And I got to know what that is so that if I'm talking to people and relating Christ to today, yeah. if I'm relating, I need to know what is the acceptable conversation? What currently are we allowed to talk about? What are we not allowed to talk about? What is interesting? What is not interesting? Right. right. I think something else that's, that is that is interesting in this day and age as well is because there is so much diversity in media, you can't count on everybody having the same experience. So I was trying to just even now on my computer look up a, a quote from a, a book that talks about this phenomenon and I, I can't find it. But the idea was that back in the 70s or 80s when there were only a handful of networks, only a handful of, of programs, the top rated shows were watched by a pretty high percentage yes. of the populace. So as a preacher, as a musician, you know what you can make as a public figure, you can make reference to particular shows knowing that a large portion of your audience knows what you're talking about. Whereas now there's so much diversity. There's a thousand channels. There's infinite YouTube channels and everything else. We're getting our entertainment 
and our media from so many different sources that even the top rated programs are being only watched by a small percentage of people. So that's kind of an interesting dynamic because there is this need to pay attention to the media uh, in, in terms of art. But then also there's such diversity that there's always going to be aspects that, that we're pretty ignorant of, which is a, a difficult right. tension. Well, well, let me put some let me put some pieces to that. So back in the day when there was only ABC, NBC, and CBS, there was three, ten, and thirteen. Those were pretty much unless you watch Channel Six, dude. PBS, uh, just saying. Or Channel Thirty One and Channel Forty. No, they weren't there around yet. Oh, okay. Come yeah. on, youngin. I'm younger. What's wrong than Lance? with you? I had all those channels. Or if okay. you're from not from Lance? Sacramento, these yeah. channels don't mean anything. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So ABC, CBS, and NBC. Those were pretty much the three. Well, even if you start going back further, when you had very limited options, when Archie Bunker was around. So uh, All in the Family is the name of that show, and it was full of racial tension. It was breaking new ground. It was creating – it has this whole character, bigot character. It was like crazy. Well, if you watch TV, you probably knew of that show because there weren't many options. Nowadays, like for example, if you're flying through cable – there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Endless. So if the logo channel, which tends to lean, you know, and be very driven towards the LGBTQ community, if they do something that's shocking, half, you know, a huge portion of the whole world has no idea. Right. But when Archie Bunker's show or that All in the Family show was shocking, people had to dialogue around the water cooler about it yep. because it was one of your few options. So in one sense, it's been diluted by options. But in another sense, crazy things that wouldn't get attention can rise up and take over. Yeah. You know, when you said that talk around uh, or talk around the water cooler, which, by the way, feels like the most ancient of phrases. Uh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, and I know we've kind of talked about this before, but I think that is what is one of the most interesting things is that that's the power that it has. That's right. Art brings a convert and we just said that, but art brings the conversation like to life and people will have like these massive conversations about something that either could be a small thing or a large thing, but something that stemmed from an art piece. Like art has this crazy power to engage you with with either something that we haven't thought about yet or something that we're all thinking about, but it just has this way of bringing it to the surface with, with all of us. You know what I mean? Like, it right. brings it out. Okay, so another example. Uh, right now, um, I bet you anything, Jake, you have no idea what the latest speeches from Trump have been. Zero percent idea. Okay, zero percent. There was a day back in the day, if we're going way old school, it was uh, Abraham Lincoln and these guys. There wasn't any other, a lot of uh, arts and everything. There were some minstrel shows and stuff like that. But in general, things got communicated out from the president of the United States. It was kind of like you'd all pay attention. Right. Every time stuff like the State of the Union comes on, anyone under a certain demographic does not care. They do not listen to it. They do not have any idea what the president of the United States thinks. But... They know what Kim Kardashian thinks. All of a sudden, you have a no-name person who has risen up and become world-dominant as far as social media, and they're asking questions and answering questions for the world situation, and you don't know what the most powerful person in the world thinks, but you do know what celebrities think. That's true, and also, the president will—like, he answers their questions— Yes. That's the interesting thing, too. It is a backlash. The conversation is, be, like, 
the 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 number one guy is having a conversation with this entire movement of people that are coming out of like that cult like that community which is crazy that's crazy that that's where the conversation is yep he has to respond back into those influential cultural pieces it's changed well, a lot it feels well, like it, it it has and i i want to get to talking about movies here in a second but i i an interesting point to all of this is you look at okay you have the president, the most powerful person in the world, which obviously his social media use is is very controversial, but there's really no denying the fact that it's effective. Throughout his campaign, it was effective. Yeah. Yep. Uh, now, in terms of mobilizing his base, it's effective. He uses Twitter and people pay attention. Yes. So on the one hand, you've got somebody in a traditional power position, the president of the United States, leveraging social media. His predecessor before him uh, leveraged the media and the arts very well, President, Ob president Obama, and that was a large part of his success. But then on the other hand, you've got people who... I guess no disrespect meant to the Kardashian family, but they had not really accomplished much before they became internet famous. And now they've got incredible amounts of influence because they have they have developed this sort of social media following so on the one hand there's still a hierarchy just like there was back in the day but the hierarchy is different now and it doesn't only it doesn't eliminate these traditional positions of power because like right. we just said the president uses social media but it opens up opportunities for influence that simply did not exist 20, 30, 40 years ago, if you wanted to be influential back then, you had to get in the door at a media company and and make something great. Whereas right. now you can make something great. Hey, like from right here in this studio. Hey. Yeah, all by yeah, all by yourself. I was looking through in preparation for this. I thought it was um I was kind of looking through and saying, what does the world think are influential films? So I was going through lists. On almost every list was the Blair Witch Project. What? Um incredibly lame movie right it was a horror movie oh I here's why it, it was influential me. it was made for twenty four thousand dollars right and it was made with handheld cameras that non-professionals could have and it grossed millions and millions of dollars and the reason why it was a game changer is it shifted it out of only the huge companies can do it yeah and it took it into the hands of the people change the game that you know even in the um like the music industry the exact same thing is happening yes you used to spend like hundreds of thousands of dollars like yes millions a, a of dollars ridiculous amount of money to make professional albums and over the years we've seen something that was once for the you know the elite or whatever now is in the hands of the many and people some of the most influential like even artists music artists um, are the ones who did stuff on a very small budget uh, or who did it themselves it's just really it, it's very cool we were watching it's, the video music awards the other day which um, boy not only did it make me feel <laughs> old but I immediately went wow I'm depressed so anyway we were watching I was watching it with my kids. And uh, my wife goes, who's that guy? And he was a super good-looking young guy. And the girls go, that's Shawn Mendes. And Shawn Mendes is a singer. And she goes, oh, where'd that guy come from? They go, he's a YouTuber. And once again, it, was, it had nothing to do with big companies. This guy is on the largest stage for Video Music Awards. And he what? you go back to Justin Bieber. Yep. He's a world-known name. Yep. But he was found on YouTube. Yep. And and you can keep playing these games and going, oh, my gosh, that person over here, they were just doing this. Yep. I am a uh, – I think 
I'm a millennial. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you are. You are. Uh, which I, I, I feel like I shouldn't be because I feel like I have an old soul. But either way, I am obsessed with YouTube. I love YouTube. And the thing is about like YouTube in particular, the what once was just like random, you know, I put a, a video up of my kids' soccer game or something has now turned into average people who just make things like this and we're watching like like there's a there's a show I watch that has eleven million subscribers. Two average guys who just bought a camera and had something to say and now have a massive following. Massive following. Yeah, you're talking about millions of people. Yeah. Do you guys know uh, in in Journey, right? The band Journey. That's, oh, yeah. We're going old school, right? Well, and and for a local people that listen to the podcast around here, of course, Lincoln Brewster, one of, you know, he played guitar for yeah. Journey. And, yeah. and so a lot of people are connected into this. Well, of course, their singer. The singer of Journey today was seen on a as a copy band on YouTube by Journey. They found him. Wow. He's a he's a <laughs> I believe he's Filipino. I know this dude. Story. He is absolutely phenomenal. Well, once again, he was doing a cover band. Saw him on a video, called him up, and he's the new lead singer of right. Journey. I think it's incredible. On the one hand, it's there's all these potential points of entry, so so anybody can get in the game, so to speak. On the one hand, that means there's more competition than there than there is there's ever been because now instead of competing for contracts or things like that we're competing for eyeballs essentially it's, absolutely hey, there are a million things you can watch on youtube why should you watch my thing but what's exciting about that is it really is a meritocracy in the sense of if you can do great work set up your camera and do some great work right sit sit and talk with your buddies and if you've got interesting stuff to say it's going to do well play your song uh, do what you want to do and it's no longer the gatekeeping power is not right. what it used to be. There, yeah, there is um, there's a lot of talk about, and, and again, I follow a few of these different people, um, and there's this one guy that, that I follow, and he said, a people will, be, will buy into a good story yes. over a, a good product now. And that yeah. wasn't the case once upon a time. Like, people just wanted the nice thing. But he's like, people will, will support a great story. If you have a great story, however you get it out, is the secondary thing. Yeah. It's the good story that people buy into. Tom's shoes. Ex right. A great example. It's not the product. People it's are not, into the narrative. It's yeah. not the product. And in fact... It's the story behind the product. Exactly. Because the product itself actually, like, there's... I mean, it... it it was kind of a new style, but like I had some and mm -hmm. they fell apart in yes. almost instantly. And it was not the quality. But I bought them because of the story. Yes. And I wonder... And that is... Yeah, that's a millennial thing as well. Yeah, what was there one of my big, a big takeaway? So a while ago, I I, uh, I read this book called Creativity Inc. by uh, one of the founders of Pixar, and one of my big takeaways from the book was in Pixar world, which obviously they've made incredible films with incredible messages, and their their use of digital animation is is fantastic. At the core of everything they do, they say is the story. If the story stinks, we yes. don't have anything. If we we no matter how well you dress it up. If you don't have a great story, you don't have a great movie. And and I love the the simplicity but difficulty of that. On the one hand, it's not about all this extra stuff. It's not even about, you talk about the Tom Shoes example, it's not even about the quality of the shoes. It's about the story. But if you don't have a story, you don't have anything. And it's true in movies. It's true in everything. That element is still, is still there. There's something in us, and I would suggest it's something placed in there by God, that 
a great story compels us. And now in this day and age, mm-hmm. there's just lots of opportunity for us to be exposed to, to great stories and for those who are content creators to create great stories, right. which is exciting. I Random think- Pixar trivia. Oh, yes. Toy Go. Story, first movie ever created totally by computers. Uh, that was true. a Pixar yeah. thing, and That's that was true. a game changer. Go ahead. You yeah. were going to say something valuable. Uh, I was, probably. <laughs> okay. But now I don't remember. Well, now you don't now remember. I'm thinking about is, is Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's keep... Let's, let's, okay, so yeah. we're talking about stories. Let's talk about movies for a little bit. Yes. So, so quick answers to this question, and then we'll ask a better one. So scale of 1 to 10, 10 okay. being you're practically ready to start your own movie review blog, and 1 being you would need directions to your nearest movie theater. You don't even know where it is. How much of a movie person are you? Scale of one to 10, go. Oh, I would probably say that I am uh, seven. Seven. Okay. Nine. Lance, you're yeah, nine. I was going to guess that you were pretty high. Nine. I know you love I know you love movies. Oh, yeah. I'm huge into movies. Yeah. And I am not anti-movie. I just don't watch a lot of movies. So I would say I'm about a two. Okay, but let me ask you this question, though. Like a lot of the movies that I watch, I, I'm a, I would put myself, like I said, about a seven. Uh, but I love like Netflix indie films. I love like I'll see big Hollywood productions, but not nearly as often as I'll see the you know random. These two directors made this movie and they did it on the cheap budget, and it's got the like because I love. I'm so drawn to those kinds of stories. I think you're like go to the movie theater, buy yes. the popcorn. Yes. Have the full And there's a reason for that. Um, So you and I have different motivations for why we go see movies. And so I absolutely see all the blockbusters. Usually when a list comes out, right, you were joking that a list came out and you're like, I didn't even know half of those. Um, Whenever they release things and they go, oh, the, you know, Academy Awards are coming up or whatever, the Oscars and, and they list, I already have seen them all. I already know what they are because I see movies for connection. Say more about that. What do you, yeah, what do you mean by that? Yeah, and it, it'll go into a lot of the other stuff that we'll talk about. But for me, it's all about uh, dialoguing with other people. It's a connecting element. Oh, so I see a movie. So for example, so I just took it. the other night, um, my daughter, I wanted to just encourage her. She was having a rough time. So I grabbed my oldest daughter and we went to go see a movie. Well, she hadn't seen the latest Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. And so I had already seen it twice in the theater. I went and took her again because I wanted to create a bonding connection with her, and I knew that other friends of hers would have talked about Spider-Man because there's a teen element to it. So I think of movies in terms of connections and communications and telling stories. Um, Like I I even highlight out in the movies one of the things that I was going to talk about a little bit later is that not only the deep part of it is that it was my huge connection with my dad and my whole family, but in a funny way... 1975. Now you got to remember, I was three or whatever, four. I was pretty young. But they launched, Monty Python launched the Holy Grail. Yes. Now the Holy Grail was the first movie growing up (laughs) that was a connected, it was a connective movie because when you watch the movie, it's boring. When you talk about it with your friends, it's hilarious. Like Napoleon Dynamite. Exactly. Exactly. And what happens is, the Holy Grail, no one goes back and just watches it by themselves. They all talk about it. It's a connection piece. So That's- if I say, we're the knights that say, and then somebody immediately knows what the knights say, right? <laughs> that's, what, that's what they say. 
Now I can sit there and do anything, <laughs> any line, and someone's going to finish it. That makes you and I bonded over an experience. Anyone listening That's to this very... is thinking of like 20 different Monty Python lines. Yeah, absolutely. Right now. now, later in 1980, the movie that, that I ended up memorizing was Airplane. So Airplane is another movie where we would do a line and somebody else would do the other line and it was connective. So everything with me about movies is power of influence and opening my eyes and the other half was all connection. Two things. One, I just saw Airplane for the first time like six months ago. Oh, my gosh. Welcome to the universe. Hello, world. Me Uh, who's a two on movies. I've seen that like a thousand times. Yeah, I I didn't think it was great. I didn't didn't think it was great. I I appreciated that people think it's great. It's only great when you talk about it with your friends. Okay, that's probably it. Um, But you know what? On on a similar note, uh, probably... Yeah, last year I was talking to my wife and I was like, we should watch The Goonies. And she was like, oh, I've never seen it. And that was an airplane moment for me where I was like, what do you mean you haven't seen The Goonies? It's the greatest movie of all time, which isn't true. But I was like, I was shocked. I was completely shocked. Uh, what I was going to say, though, is you talked about the the um, connection piece. And I was I was just going to say that, that that's interesting to me and that actually knowing you... That totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. And I would say, like, when I watch movies, I am watching... uh, That is probably, like, at the bottom of my list. I'm watching movies that usually I'm drawn to, like, movies that are, like, dramas or things like that, um, or serious movies, because I'm, I'm drawn to movies that have this, like, story, and it doesn't even always have to resolve. Like, something that, like, addresses issues that I love those kinds of movies movies that make me like cry or make me think about something I've I've watched movies and just like been in like lost in thought and so it's entirely I got, I got a list I got a list of those <laughs> right entirely here entirely different um, okay so let me That's let cool. me just say for a moment about the connection piece and why it's so personal to me so my dad's mom so I we referred to her as Nana back in the day and I didn't know her very much she was Hungarian she spoke Hungarian but she was of the era where movies were first coming out, right? Mm-hmm. So it went to the silent movies and then stuff like that. Well, she loved movies, and that was her connection with her son. They didn't have a whole lot in common. Mm-hmm. So my dad grew up completely obsessed with movies. To this day, if you go on my dad on my family side of things, if all we do is when we hang out and talk, we immediately start by talking about movies. And we all go, did you see this? Did you see this? What about this part? How did it move you? All this stuff. It's the way that we bring depth into the conversations around us is all around movies. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason why I go and see them. That see, is okay, cool. So that's interesting. So we're talking about movies. So I'm going to make this a very brief caveat or a, a brief tangent. But everything that, Lance, you have said so far about movies, I would say about sports. Like that oh, is no a question. Huge. It's been a huge bonding thing for oh, dude, for my dad and, for my dad and I. I know Jake, you're a huge sports fan. Love right? it. Love sports. The sports is your favorite thing. Go sports teams. No, not his favorite. It's thing. It's not his favorite thing. But uh, whether it's st- live things I've gone to with my dad, whether it's things like my dad and I talk a lot more during basketball season because we have. 10 Kings games or so that we drive out to, we sit together the whole time and drive back. So just by nature, we talk about it more. And whether it's when we get together for family dinner, whether it's sports we've watched on TV, whether it's 
we play some sports together and talking about that sort of stuff, there is this huge connective component. I'm carrying that on now with my own kids. That it's just it's something for us to bond over. And I think that there's a, there's a lot of power in that, whether it's movies, music, sports, whatever, all of these different cultural influences, all of these different ways of entertaining ourselves, it's, it's entertaining on its own. I love a great sporting event sitting by myself. But what makes it even better is even this Sunday night watching a, a crazy football game and texting with all my buddies about what was going on, you know, or getting my kids out of bed to, to watch this big, exciting finish. Right. That's, that's so much richer in the same way you talk about watching a movie with your daughter. You think about maybe being at a concert with someone you love and having that memory of, man, remember that time we saw that band in that place and they played that song? It's powerful. Yeah. Sports, so arts, and entertainment, they're all that way. We can we can talk about Woodstock. It's interesting because you go, that was this era. Well, what was it? It was all wrapped around music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I do, I got to throw out a, a caveat. I should have put this warning up front, but <laughs> we're going to be talking about movies. And whenever you talk about me and movies, I've seen everything. Now, here's the problem. I'm also a pastor. <laughs> and so people get a little weirded out about the whole thing about, so I need to mention, we're going to be talking about movies and different things and you want, you know, not necessarily knowing which era I saw it in or stuff like that. You got to be careful on the rated R stuff, right? So that's a rated R, right. that's rated R, that's rated R. I'm going to be talking about movies in terms of influence or meaning or things like that as opposed to, to authorizing movies of going that's a good idea for your spirit right so well I, I do believe that and one of the things i hope that we camp on at least at the end is the reason why i'm so fascinated by uh, the creative arts is because they're they're so influential they can be used by the kingdom of god for such powerful reasons so yeah. a lot of the stuff that we're talking about up front obviously um, can be can be good and bad, right? Sure, so right. I just want to put out the caveat of going, you guys, I'm going to say stuff that you're going to go, oh, man, if I watch that movie and I think that Pastor Lance saw that movie, <laughs> it's going to twist your head out. Yeah. It's like your dad seeing something, right? And yeah. I think it's, it's important too just to, to note that to talk about a movie being great is not the same as endorsing every idea in the movie. Same with... Anything. television show same it, with and, and I guess I'm, I'm probably more paranoid about that than I should be that if say someone sees me quoting some person then all of a sudden that's th th is assumed yes. that I'm endorsing everything they've ever said or if I say I really like this book it means I agree with every idea in it and, and we just need to be clear that that's not the case and you know for you now we'll move into maybe talking about what are some of these movies that have really influenced you you're saying they're great in a lot of ways. You're not saying, yes. hey, this is a great articulation of my worldview, or hey, this no. is something yeah. that you should watch with your child. No, so. or it's a good idea for your spirit, the images are right, stuff right, like that. That's right. not what I'm talking right. about. So. Um, so going back, Jake, to what you were referring to before, I put down a little list that when I get asked what movies were influential to me, they're actually either a whole bunch, I can either name 10,000, or I can name very few, mm -hmm. because... Most movies for me are impactful for the one point they made. It doesn't mean that it influenced my whole life, but it means that whatever point they made was deep for me, right. and it slightly altered my worldview. Right. There are a couple movies where I went, I, different things changed for me because of that movie, but they're very few. So give you a, a couple examples. We'll start with a funny one. So the, fu the funny uh, things were my two favorite movies growing up were The Breakfast Club, 
which was all about teen angst. Great right. movie. <laughs> Great movie. And it was just simply being a teenager with teenagers being talked about, and it was realistic, and it mo- and, and moved me. The other one was The Lost Boys. And the only reason why that was a big deal to me is because it's a reason I grew my hair out. <laughs> uh, there's oh, an actor. That's, that uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Nope. It was an actor in there called Billy Worth. And he was on Kiefer Sutherland's team, and he has all long hair, the same, and it's all the same length. I literally was having a party, played that movie, and the girl I liked said, Oh, he's cute. And I went, Yes, he is. I'm never and you also, my hair boom, right you, there. Also, you also sharpened your teeth. You filed yeah, yeah them. as a vampire, yeah. just to try to like, impress. I'm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. That's so hilarious. those are the funny ones. All right. So here are some impactful points that along throughout my life. Um, so, for example, uh, movies introduced me to things that I would have never experienced. I may have learned them in history class, but I learned a lot of stuff in history class, and right. I kind of blew past them. So growing up, my mom was super puritanical. She did not like, man, it was the 80s era where, you know, media was the devil and music was the devil and all this stuff. Well, my mom was fully saturated in the <laughs> Hollywood is of the devil. So she hated movies. So I grew up on Sound of Music... Fiddler on the Roof, and stuff like that. But here's what's fascinating to me. Fiddler on the Roof, to me, was the first time I ever engaged with the persecution of the Jews. I don't know if you guys know the story, but it's It's a Jewish family, and it talks about the clash because they're over in Russia. And so there's a Russian that comes in, and it's the pulling apart of the families, and they, in in the movie, end up getting chased out of their village. I mean, there's really deep, powerful things in there. Now, later on... There was movies like Schindler's List. You cannot watch Schindler's List and not be moved. There's no way that you're not going to understand history better because of that movie. So that was an impactful point. Yeah, I I have a huge fascination with uh with war movies specifically like world war ii movies i i like am so drawn to them and i think part of that is the um it there's the historical piece of going like my goodness like this this really happened this was something so massive and defining and i wasn't there but this is like letting me like it's it's inviting me into this reality a little bit. I know that's not fair to say, but sure. a little bit. It at least opens up my eyes. Uh, and then I what was the other part. I don't remember. But that like I'm al- I've always been like drawn to that kind of thing because it's like it is it's powerful to go to be able to reach into time or reach into something significant and go, my goodness. If anything, now I can identify a little bit with this. And well, or at least get into the conversation. So 100%. if your grandparents want to talk about Vietnam, right? You're, you weren't in Vietnam. Right. Uh, and I was too young to even understand Vietnam. But all of a sudden, I wrote down uh, Platoon, the movie yep. Platoon, Full Metal Jacket, Apocalypse Now. Yep. All these movies are Vietnam movies. Right. And they let you know about the horrors of war. They let you know about, wow, this is a very complicated situation. Oh, this really must have been a turmoil for our nation. Wow, the Vietnam vets had to go through certain things like this. So I believe that stuff, whether or not they're accurate portrayals or not, like anyone that's ever a real, you know, if I see a movie about a drummer or I, you know, I'm like, that's not real. Or right. a right. movie about a preacher, <laughs> that's not real. But you know they're not real, but there's elements of them that open your eyes. Right. 
right? There's a level of connection that it makes possible that really wouldn't be there if not for the film depiction. Even even if the film depiction, A, may or may not be 100% accurate because what really is. And then B, right. obviously, nobody would ever suggest that sitting and watching a movie about, say, a war is the same as being on the battlefield. But there's a level of empathy and connection that can... I, I watched uh, on um, the flight back from, from Hawaii this last summer. I watched... Uh, what was the name of it? It was the movie about the, the Boston Marathon with, with uh, Mark Wahlberg. Patriot Games. Is that... Isn't that what it's called? Either way. I don't know. It, yeah, it, it, I know it, came, it came out recently, and I watched uh, that movie, and I was on the plane like, don't cry, don't cry, <laughs> don't cry. But the reason is, is like, I was, I was transported to this reality, which wasn't that long ago, and, it, and it, I was like filled with like actual sorrow. I was reminded of, of how... Um, how in the midst of a big and beautiful world, like there are tragic things that are real and happen, and that did happen. And so I was, it was, it was crazy. I'm sitting here like, this is going to be really embarrassing if you like lose it right now. But it moved me to like to be pulled back yeah. to that place in time. Patriots Day, Patriots Day. Sorry, I think the other thank one you, is Patriots Day. Uh, Harrison Ford. Harrison, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was like, Ford. I don't think I was like Patrick that's a, Ryan that's character. A movie, but I don't think that's yeah. the one. But no. no, I think that's a powerful example though, Jake. I think you're, um, you're right. So a couple more that I was thinking about when I was super little kid. There was a movie. Called Kramer versus Kramer, and it was about divorce. And that was so. I'm talking about how some movies handle dysfunction in homes where you never get to talk about them otherwise, but they'll talk about them up on the screen. I think about the racial issues, Boys in the Hood, mm -hmm. um, Fruitvale Station, and more recently, 42. Yeah. Uh, with Jackie Robinson, right. understanding because I grew up in either the country or suburbia, right. and I'm a white kid. I did not understand any of this. If it was not for movies bringing me in, right. then I'm able to dialogue and start and then learn about what things are really like once I was able to establish connections. Right. Um, so, I mean, there's things like, if you guys remember Pay It Forward, yeah, that actually launched a national movement of goodwill. Like, right. hey, pay it forward, pay for somebody's meal behind you, stuff like that. Uh, Fight Club. Fight Club was about... And, you know, people are like, oh, it's about fighting. It was never about fighting. No, the whole powerful. The whole book and movie was not about fighting. It was about the mundane existence of white middle class. Yeah, and it was sure. talking it was about book. not having a connection into the world around you. And so you have to do something to jar you back into it. Um, so, but as far as if we're going to talk about influential movies, like that literally had an impact on me for a deeper reason or more long lasting. Uh, first time I ever saw The Ten Commandments. Um, the remake is 1956 movie, right? So I, I don't know when I saw it, but you know, I wasn't born until the seventies. So it was a long time before me, but that's Charlton Heston as Moses. And the reason why that impacted me was it was the first visual representation of a Bible movie. So when huh. I would read the Bible stories, I would think in terms of how they pictured it. Now, since then, we've had a million of them. Sure. Right. But that was the first time. It's how some people feel about the passion of the Christ today. Yeah. That they can't think of Christ's crucifixion without thinking of the movie. And that was only released in 2004. Right. Right? Um, but I would probably say that the most influential movie uh, or impactful movie within recent years, and this one came out in 1999. So what year were you born, Jake? 86. 86. <laughs> Come okay. on now. You're going to so talk So the about... year that Jake was born, 1999. No. Uh, 1986. Yeah. Um, uh, the Matrix. The Matrix came out. Um there's been no movie even since 
that had that many layers that tied into a Christian analogy example for me than The Matrix, which is super ironic because the directors, uh, that was not their main intention. But, I mean, think about it. Um, real world versus the one that you live in, which we think of a supernatural world and heaven is more real right. than the world we live in. Yeah. The rebirth into the real world. When you see him, he's born again. Um, his name is Neo, and he was the one, which Neo is simply the one, and he's the messianic figure and the Christ figure who is talked about by the oracle, which means the one speaking for God. Right. And then Cypher is the betrayer, who's Lucifer. I mean, the whole thing is biblical, all doing different things in the supernatural realm than you could do here. So what happened was, is that type of movie... Now, a modern day would be Lord of the Rings. Modern day would be Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, right? Because they have so many layers where while you're going through your Christian life, you go, oh my gosh, this is kind of like when he said you have a blue pill and a red pill, which one do you want to take? Right. Uh, And you can either go this way and live a lie, or you can really understand what's going on. I mean, there's so many... I don't know how many sermons I have created and went, oh my gosh, this is just like, but I can't keep recounting it. It was yeah, 1999. Right. In my 4,000th yeah. reference to the Matrix, yeah. here we go. And by but the way, yeah, uh, Top Gun came out the year that I was uh, born. Wow. And I think this, and I think Terminator or Terminator 2. That's so embarrassing. That's, I mean, that's pretty good stuff. <laughs> that's funny. So, okay, so we just got a great list of movies from from Lance that is that have that have impacted him and, and obviously there's there's a lot from a lot of those different movies we could we could unpack. Jake would love to hear from you a little bit whether you've got specific titles in mind or even just certain genres that have that have spoken to you. What what has influenced you? Yeah, uh so I was when you asked me this question, I was like, well, cuz I have a hard time answering what are your favorites in any category. Like yeah. it, it's just hard for me. Uh Mostly because I'm like a very in the moment person. So like whatever is the coolest thing right now to me is like the coolest thing right now to me. And so mm-hmm. it's hard for me to answer. But I but I was thinking like, what are the things that I like have always kept coming back to? And I was looking through even just like my my small collection of DVDs. We don't have a ton. Yeah. Um, because who needs actual DVDs anymore? Right. You know what? What's a DVD? I, yeah. Right. Uh, and I'm looking at movies like you know like Rudy. Um, movie, well, yeah, like Rudy and, uh, uh, you know, that thing you do, which was also 99, what up? Um, but I, I, what I'm, what I noticed was this theme and I realized that this is true about me. I am and have always been very drawn to stories about, uh, like the underdog or the person who was told no, that went. But my convictions say yes, and so I'm going to move forward, and I'm going... It's not To me, it's not about the success of the movie. It's about the fight to be who you were made to be. Overcoming. And, so, it's, and, I'm, and that's a constant... I didn't yeah. even realize that until I was looking through, trying to like ask myself that question that you just asked me. And it is. It's the story of overcoming. I'm very drawn to the story of, of overcoming. And I think that applies, you know, as a Christian, but also just like in general, like the story of of getting over the hurdles and the things that we face. Uh, and I think that's why I keep coming back to these kinds of films. Right. I mean, those, those sorts of movies, I think they awaken something great in us or they make us, they make us perhaps look at the possibilities of life in a new lens. When we right. see those who should not have succeeded go and succeed, it right. makes us think, okay, where am I? You know, what, what opportunity is there for me? Or, or what does that awaken in me? My, or go ahead. Oh no. And last thing I was going to say is, 
And the thing about that too is like I'll watch these movies and I will be I will be deeply moved to a place of of worship, like deeply moved to a place of worship. So I'm watching this movie about a football player, um, but I'm in like on my living room floor, like crying out to the Lord, like thanking him for like all of like I'm making, <laughs> but cool. I'm making these connections that weren't in the film. Like you talked about the matrix. These, these were not obvious connections. Well, kind of obvious connections, but there are these things that we then based on our conviction and based on what we know and based on our first love are able to go like, Oh, I found you there also, Lord. Like I found you there. Yeah. You know, well, and I think that's so powerful because right. I believe God is in all truth. I agree. Anywhere you find truth, you're gonna find God. And I don't care who said it, I don't care how it was said, I don't care how messed up or how much mud was wrapped around right. it. If that's God, that's God. And I think that registers and resonates in our spirit. I totally agree with that. hundred yeah. percent. So my favorite movie of all time is Hoosiers. Have either of you seen Hoosiers? No. So Lance, have not you only seen did Hoosiers? I see it, but I, recently it was on TV, and so I recorded. I don't nice. even know how, so, like what that word means. So it's about a bas- a high school in Indiana whose little nothing basketball team goes and wins the state championship. It's based on a true story. It is one of the greatest sports movies ever. It's basically Rudy except basketball. Uh, yeah. And I actually, between college and seminary, wrote three different papers on the movie Hoosiers. And you talk about like don't cry. Like I cry at the end when they. Don't mean to spoil it for anyone. They win it all. But there is, what? yeah, right. Those but, movies but, never but end I'm, that way. I'm with you, whether it's Rudy, whether it's Miracle, whether it's, I mean, you can come up with, or that, that movie where Dennis Quaid played that was based on a true story, the 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 teacher oh my. who went and made it to the big leagues playing baseball. It's just an unbelievable yes. story. I, I, I mean, I love sports, but I love, like, it's just, it's so emotive and it's beautiful and it's powerful. And yeah, I remember, I think I may have, The, the Rookie, that's what the movie was called. Yeah, I may great have, movie. I may have wept during in that movie as well when he throws the fastball past the 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 speed the speed, uh, the limit speed limit sign yeah. the little, and it's like yeah. 62 and then yeah. he walks past and it's like 92 or whatever yes. and it's like oh he did it so i have one more movie i want to talk about and and in it bring up sort of a, a genre that's interesting so so when we were kids cartoons were cartoons they had some messages behind them, but they weren't particularly deep. There are certainly themes to, to older movies, and, and there's beauty in them even for adults. But I think it's interesting now, sort of starting with Toy Story, I, I see that not only was it historic in, in the way that you mentioned and some others, but that was, to me, kind of the first kids movie that was made for adults, right? Mm. Like, there's lots of layers to that movie. And in ma- many regards, Pixar has continued to do that in creating movies that are maybe geared towards children, but... It's not the sort of thing where you're like, well, I'm a grown-up. I guess I'll take my kid to see the movie, and I'll just kind of deal with it. You know that you're going to enjoy yourself as well. You think about, like, I love the Shrek trilogy, for example. But a movie that we saw, my wife and I, we saw it when it came out because I remember my aunt coming to a family dinner and just raving about how great it was. Uh, The movie Inside Out. Do you, you guys see that one? Of course. I've seen all animated films. He's seen every film. That's I know. Stupid question. (laughs) That movie to me was an adult movie with kid oh, visuals. Yeah, for sure. That movie spoke to the that human was condition so powerfully. I was I don't know that I've ever I mean this is maybe a ridiculous thing to say and I don't see a ton of movies so take this with a grain of salt. I don't know that I've ever been as deeply moved by a movie as I was by by that one. It was very powerful. What yeah. Jake 
Lance? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say something. Oh, no, 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 no. Just in terms of uh, I, in that movie, I mean, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, there are there are you're basically looking inside the mind and heart of a young child going through trauma, and really, it has these emotions that are characters in the story, and it's talking about a world that she had dreams that have been shattered and worlds collapsing. Yeah, I mean, it it's. Really deep. I I did I did see the movie and and I think for me and I actually was just talking to a friend about this three or four days ago, about how on some level there are just there are just universal themes that no matter like whether you're five or you're ninety five, it's true all across the board and how you like the depth to which you connect to it. Uh, will vary based on based on perhaps age or based on like all of these ways that you process. But the thing about like a movie like Inside Out is there are even though like for you it hits you in like this really deep and overwhelming way, it could still because it's a universal thing. Like it could yep. still hit your children who are who are much younger and who have a far greater view of the world at this point. And like, but they're still able to connect with something because when movies or any kind of art can touch on something that. Is, that stretches across those kinds of things, we can all be like pulled into that place. Absolutely. And that's part of the power of, of art is we can connect with it in these different ways Absolutely. at different levels depending on our age. So we, every single one of these episodes, we end up leaving thinking about how it went too long. And this one's going to go a little bit long as well. Shocker. Shocker. Oh. Yeah, put microphones in front of us. We keep talking. <laughs> but I do want us to spend a little while talking about Music, because we've spent all this time talking about movies yes. and had a kind of an inter interesting discussion in general. So, looking at at music, uh, Jake, we'll start with you since yes. you're the professional musician here. Uh, talk a little bit, if you can, just about uh, the way that even your your maybe even your non professional engagement with music, your your engagement with music mm -hmm. as a musician yourself and just as a a fan of music, how is that? influenced your life and in particular how has it influenced your spiritual life even just music that's not maybe overtly right christian so uh w i'm gonna back up a little bit when i first became a believer back in uh, i was 17 years old um this was before I was a musician. This was before uh, I had any concept of worship or anything before I was called to that at all the first thing Really, because uh, it was the next day, the first like deep conviction that I that I had from the Holy Spirit it was my first time having a deep conviction was to throw away every single album that I'd ever purchased. I have I was seventeen. I'd bought all the you know what I mean. Like that was the era of going to Tower Records and buying all this stuff. I bought all of those things, and I was I was asked to throw them all away because. And looking back at it now, I can go, oh, I realize now that music has an influence on me big time. And it was sort of like in that moment, the Lord was like wiping the slate clean. He's like, I want to start fresh. So from that point on, it was like my only engagement was anything that was like you could buy at the Family Christian Bookstore. That was the only music I listened to. And over the years, as I was able to mature and stuff like that, um, other kinds of music found their way back into my playlist. And now my, my, um, my iTunes is filled with tons of different genres of music. I mean, like tons of different genres of music because I'm a lover of music. Mm -hmm. And when I listen to music, um, and I don't typically listen to, uh, although I, it doesn't really have an effect on me anyway, but I don't typically listen to a lot of stuff with a ton of profanity or anything like that anyway. Um, but like when I'm listening to this music, like it's moving 
my heart and I'm connecting with it on the, a level of musicianship, which is a, a deep part of me. Um, but also like we, and we just talked about this last weekend that music has this ability to like move, like bypass your head and settle into your heart. And so I listen to all sorts of music and I have, uh, had, and I, I, I know I keep saying this, but it really is true. Like I have had intense worship moments listening to, you know, a song by Coldplay or whatever, something that is not at all, at least intentionally, about the Lord. But I I can identify with the overarching story or the overarching cry. And so when I listen to music, I'm listening usually through either the lens of how does this sound, because I love how music sounds, like I'm, I'm drawn to that, but also I can connect with it on this sort of heart level, whether it's saying Jesus 10 times in the song or not, I can still sort of listen and connect with someone who's singing about heartache or a burden or something massive that is like a struggle. Like I can connect with all of those things. So uh, does that answer your question? Like, Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that that's true. And even just the music itself, right? Like I, I find myself drawn to worship sometimes even by instrumental music. I find that if, oh, I'm, yeah. if I'm needing inspiration for a writing project or something that, I mean, I, I joke that Sigaros is what they play in heaven, you know, yeah. like just that sort of a thing is just very... Uh, yeah, I think it, that it, that probably is going to play. In right? Heaven. I mean, that's not that ridiculous it's when you beautiful. think about it, right? Lance, how about you? I mean, music's obviously been a huge part of your life. Talk a little bit about it, the way that it's influenced you. Uh, yeah, I, I wrote down these simple phrases. So what, music changed the course of my life. And it's the reason why I'm a pastor today, mm-hmm. and it's the reason why uh, how God built me. So, um, and and that's actually not an exaggeration; it's actually literal. So, music for me is a little bit um, different because um, I don't listen to a lot of music these days. I don't. I because to me, it's all or nothing for a lot of it. So, like for example, I drove in listening to music today. And I'm immediately figuring out all the drum parts and everything. So those of you that listen to this podcast that don't know, I grew up and at 13, I started drumming. And I thought I was going to be a, a drummer for the rest of my life. I thought I was going to do, you know, Christian music all the way till I was 21. And then everything changed. The reason why I say it made me who I am today and it made me to become a pastor is because God took three different pieces of my life, put them together and, and, and made me who I am. One of them was he took Bible knowledge. So I was raised in a Christian home around the Bible. I'm a I'm a intellectual guy, so I studied all the time. I was around people that talked about intense stuff about Jesus, and I was at Christian school. So I had so much biblical knowledge, but then it had to be matched with a certain character. You all know my story. I've written a book on panic disorder since I was six years old. So I've had a lot of wounds and hurts and changes and everything else that have made me very deep and, and emotional in different places. So I took a soft heart, a compassionate heart, all these things, and a love for people as to how God built me. The problem was I was missing one thing, because even at that place, I was still very quiet until music. Hmm. And so the music, when uh, my buddy down the street, not a believer, uh, was into heavy metal. He's the only person I knew, and he got me into heavy metal. So I was into Metallica and all this, these heavy bands. Mm-hmm. And my mom, of course, wanted me only in anything that was Christian. And so um, she would take me to the Christian bookstore, and she said, you can pick out one thing. We didn't have very much money, so she said, you could pick out one thing. And I went back there, and I saw um, a band that had long hair, and it was Striper. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was the only band that had long hair. 
And you got to remember, this is also the 80s where um, my school removed me for having a striper shirt. So it was not acceptable (laughs) even in Christianity, but they were a Christian band. Uh, And so I say they removed me. I had to go home and change my shirt is what I'm saying. I'm not allowed to even wear that stuff. I wasn't allowed to wear the shirt under a shirt, which was kind of crazy. But anyway, (laughs) but the point was is that... That, when I connected in with that, and at the same time, my sister started dating a guy who became her first husband, who was in a band. They were in my mom's garage. They were the first role models. They were the first adult men that were on fire for Jesus, bold, proud, strong. And that lit a flame in me, and it took my soft heart, my knowledge, and it put it together with power and boldness. And boom, I exploded out of there from 13, and it just began to build and build and build. And all of a sudden, that's the reason why I do what I do today. Uh, wasn't, wasn't um, like when you would play at, at, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you would do shows, and you would also, isn't that where you began? Preaching. Preaching? Yes. So I was in a band, a Christian band, and we had a rule, no preach, no play. And we played speed metal, heavy metal stuff. And we were Christians, yep. and we if you wouldn't let us preach the gospel, we wouldn't play the show. And we played bars, okay, clubs. We played everywhere. We played really intense places because that music was acceptable. Right. But I would get out of the drum set, and I would go forward, and I preached every concert. And we've toured the United States, so wow. I was all over. I preached in Michigan. I preached in Virginia Beach. I preached in Corpus Christi. I preached in Redondo Beach. I right. preached in Georgia. And all across the United States. So that was way before I ever even started the Bible study or became a pastor. Wow. You know what's, you know what's interesting to me, too, is that uh, had you just walked into one of those places and just began to preach, it would have probably been a much different story to a degree, but the f- uh, it, I would have never got in the door. Probably exactly. there's no way. But but it's interesting how how music um, can be this sort of unifying thing yes. that was in essence a tool that was used to have however many were in that room, whether there were like five people or forty or four hundred. It was this way for you guys to all sort of go like, oh. Here we are, we're together, we're all kind of united in at least this moment, and there's like this softening to the atmosphere that then allowed you to go, and also, which is really cool how music was the tool, and oftentimes music is a tool to, because um, it is this sort of universal language. It's like we all, you can, whether you're here or you're in Asia or whatever, we can all listen to the same piece of music, and without like we have we speak different languages and stuff like that but we can all hear the same thing and that's really crazy how you could be in this setting and you're all sort of like responding to this same moment the atmosphere shifts and then you have this ability then to stand up and step into what is in essence the real reason why you were there which is to go hey you know bring the, bring the gospel and that that takes it full circle for me and i want to hear more about your your you know musical engagement but it takes it full circle that i've watched the power of the influence yeah of music and media even just opening doors and spreading the gospel right. and that's why i take this kind of stuff seriously you mm-hmm. guys i don't we just this last weekend i don't know when you know whenever we air and you're listening to this maybe at a later podcast but just before we did this last weekend i played drums with jake yep. on the worship team and we talked about worship and i believe so strongly 
in all of this stuff. I support groups that do Christian media. I do, you know, all this makes such a big difference because it is the inroad to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. Right. It communicates it communicates ideas on the one hand, ideas that maybe would not be as well received through other through other media, but then also just it 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 allows us to think through these ideas, obviously in a different and a more kind of emotionally evocative, but even intellectually evocative manner, right? right? So Jake, talk to us a little bit about, I know you said it's hard to pick favorites. I, I totally am I'm with you on that. But if we could just talk a little bit about musical influences, and I'm not necessarily talking about musicians that have influenced your personal musical style okay. as much as just as a listener of music, maybe some musicians or acts that have been powerful in your own life or, or that have caused you to think differently about things or, or just made a difference in some way. Oh, my goodness. That's a great question. Um, okay. I would say that probably we're talking bands like, this is, I mean, you guys are going to just laugh at me. Here we go. Uh, John Mayer. I love okay. John Mayer. Uh, and I love, so John Mayer recently went through a huge life crisis, which I can't identify with at all. His life crisis was about himself, but he wrote this album that was entirely a response to his life crisis. Is this his newest one? Uh, it's a, probably a, a couple albums back now. Okay. He's made it. He's made a few. Um, but like I, I'm like again, it's sort of like these these themes that I can go like, oh, I can connect to that, even though you're not talking about the exact same thing. Like I can connect to that. So things like you know that album was was really great to me. You know, there's like you said, there's there's instrumental albums that like don't have any words but for whatever reason like my mind can go into a million different places mm -hmm. and often into really like deep and good and powerful places yeah. uh uh i'm trying to think on the fly <laughs> this is such a hard question uh band uh young the giant I, they had an their entire band is filled with um, like the lead singer is is Indian American, and then the drummer is like uh, of I think like his family is from France, and he, so like this whole their whole band is filled with essentially like people who are either children of immigrants or they themselves are like the first generation or whatever, and their whole last album uh, dealt with the the top like to to an artistic level. Their whole album dealt with the topic of like, uh, like what does it look like to be to come into a place and be and find unity and find love and find peace and find and talk about issues like differences and all these things and and not everything I agree with but still like I love the album because I'm able to like connect with it on that level and go like yeah Lord like what what about that so and and these are not Christian bands uh, I don't sure. know if people. Are in these bands have a relationship with the Lord, but I can still listen to that and go like, oh, my heart is moved to then, you know, to a posture where I can go, yeah, what about this Lord or or whatever? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, no, that's cool. I will say one last thing go too, ahead, and, yeah. and 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 uh, just because I, I constantly I feel like I'm thinking about this, but um, it, especially in music, the the trend tends to be that. About five years after something is current, the church will adopt it. 
And so it's like this constant like behind like after the fact now we're like we caught up and like and then the rest of the world has moved on to the new thing and it's like this constant chasing uh and i just would i would love across all forms of of art and i'm not saying it doesn't exist but i would love to see the church being the people who are on the forefront of create like as create people who are made to partner in creativity with the lord like i would love to see the church like move to a place of of creating ahead of and like and creating the trend as right. opposed to always catching up to the trend absolutely i know that wasn't your and question at all but i mean i think that's a great point that's i feel like that's a whole topic practically for another for another for the, another episode but it's a great just the, the the idea of let's not be people that are copying culture trying to create christian versions of it but rather to be ones who are who are creating it um all right, we we are so far over time. If you're still listening, thank you. We're going to end with a fun question. Oh, yeah. And then we're going to call it a day. So we're talking music. Didn't really get into Lance's influences as much, unfortunately, but uh, got to hear some of Jake. So here's here's the last question, though, guys. Ready? Is It's two parts. Number one, first concert you ever attended. First concert you ever attended. Yeah. And number two, and you, I'll let you choose two. Mostly just because I have two. Your favorite concert you ever attended. So live music, first and favorite. Jake, you look like you're ready. Okay, first concert ever. I was, uh, it was the year 1999, which has been a, a, you know, a a very, yeah, very important (laughs) year. The year you were born. The year I was born, uh, 1999, I went to the 107.9 The End Jingle Ball nice. concert where they had bands like LFO, uh, Christina Aguilera, like all of the greats. New kids of, on the block. Oh my goodness. It was, it was, <laughs> it was incredible. It was life changing. It made me never want to play music ever. And then I did. Oh, um, that's no, that's not true. But I did go to that and that was my first concert. I got invited. Um, and then the best concert that I've ever been to, and I've been to a lot, I would probably say, again, not to be redundant, but I saw John Mayer during the Where the Light Is tour, which if you don't know what that is, you should look it up. It's his finest years, I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, it was it was such a an incredible, and keep in mind, this is strictly on a, on a musical level, just right, but it was, it was incredible. It was so brilliant. I loved everything about that concert. It was outside. What's that? What's that? Uh, outdoor sleep train or yeah, whatever. They, they change the name like they every change, year. Yeah, yeah I think too. it's called the Sleep Train Amphitheater. Oh, it right was. Now. It changed so, again. It changed. I think again. it's the Bank of America Amphitheater. Oh, now. oh that's way worse. Something the like amphitheater that. up north. Yep. Isn't it north? I don't know. Wheatland. Know. I don't know. Oh yeah. Know, whatever. All right, Lance, you go. Uh, first concert uh, was a Christian band called the Seventy Sevens. I believe, and it was at Warehouse Ministries in the 80s and uh, down in Sacramento. They had a lot of Christian, it was a whole Christian scene. And so I was heavily involved in that. So, Fun fact, the guitarist and lead singer for the 77s played guitar on my first album. When I Mike was, Rowe? Yes. No way. <laughs> he played every guitar part on that album because I wasn't good enough to play any of the guitar on my own album at that point, so he played everything. Oh, that is hilarious. Yeah. We'll have to talk about that yeah. more. Uh, favorite concerts, Motley Crue and Metallica. 
Motley Crue and Metallica. Motley Crue and Metallica. Wow. Two where different, you, two different concerts. You, okay, uh, multiple times. Okay, wow. Okay. <laughs> first time seeing Motley Crue, first time seeing Metallica. Yeah. First time seeing Metallica was at um, Cal Expo, and it was the Injustice for All tour. And um, I also saw Rush there. Um, and then Motley Crue, I've seen multiple times, but Arco Arena back in the day nice. was, oh, yeah. uh, or nice. Echo Arena is yeah. actually what it, it horrible. It's a horrible. terrible arena. place. <laughs> yes. That's funny. Uh, okay. So my first concert, Hootie and the Blowfish, Dude. Cal Expo. And I knew that was going to come up. Here's the, fu- here's the best part about it is I don't mean to throw my dad under the bus here because he's awesome, but I'm going to do it anyway. Is he and I both, <laughs> sad to admit this, I was in like junior high. I liked Hootie and the Blowfish. My dad liked Hootie and the Blowfish. He did not realize that they were like a his generation band. He thought that younger people were into Hootie and the Blowfish. So he literally told me this afterwards. He said, we went to that concert. I thought I'd be the youngest person there. Well, or excuse me, he thought he'd be the oldest person there. Well, in fact, I was the youngest person there, and it was mostly people like him. So anyway, but uh, go. Real quick. Yeah. I can't stand Hootie and the Blowfish. Like, to you the point, shut your mouth. To the point. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Be a fight. I had like a bad experience or something <laughs> to the point where like a few years ago, some friends, uh, they like... They kidnapped me on my on my birthday. Like came in at the middle of the night, and they're like, "We're gonna surprise him." My friends and don't do that. They they came in and they were like, "We're gonna we're gonna yeah we're gonna do this." And they played like they, they came in blasting Hootie and the Blowfish, knowing that the sheer sound of that horrible music would wake me up. Wow. That's hilarious. But I love you, but I don't like Hootie and the Blowfish. Fair enough. Uh, so that was my first one. My two favorites. Number one, uh, Mumford and Sons at the Santa Barbara Bowl, which is an unbelievable venue, just incredible place to see live music. And this was right, I think they'd not quite come out with their second album yet. So it was pretty early on in there. They just sort of really hit it big. And that was just an unbelievable night of, of music. And they were so good. And then not long after that, I saw uh, U2 at Angel Stadium. And I mean, what can you say about U2? Obviously, their music is incredible. They put on what unbelievable tour? shows. Um, the, uh, what album? The 360 degree one. Um, now I'm blanking on what the name of the tour was. They had the funky stage that was. Uh, uh, you seen it? it? Was all. I didn't see that one. Oh. Yeah, I, but what was the name of the tour? I'm, I'm escaping it now. Or it's, it escapes me now. But it was. It would have been about 2011, maybe. So, That's a great answer. Anyway. <laughs> That's Those great. are really good answers. Yeah. Yeah. Like Nobody I would, mentioned like, the Soggy Bottom Boys. Like or, both of those, yeah. I would go see them again in a heartbeat. So anyway, oh, yeah. all right. Well, hey, there's so much more we could say uh, about all of this. But in our podcast, it's supposed to be 45 minutes. We are now at an hour and 13. So thank you, uh, Lance and Jake, for a really fun conversation. This was uh, fantastic. Thanks to you all for listening, joining in uh, on this episode of Engaging Culture. Be sure to watch for our next episode, which will be recorded and released in two weeks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.